This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, January 18th, 2024 edition, and I'm excited for this hour with you to help you become a better investor. That's our job each day. Being a being a good investor is not something that you suddenly find enlightenment and you're you're all the way there and you don't have to do any more work and you know exactly what to do. No. It's really about a journey. A journey to be the best that you can be. And that's what professionals do. We're always reading, updating ourselves on what's happening in the markets, new theories, new industries, new innovations, etc. And all that helps guide decisions that we make for clients. Now, for you, you have to do that for yourself. You have to act like you're a client. You have to stay on top of the trends and adjust with the times. And we know we are in unprecedented times. And so our job here is to help you make those adjustments so that you can be better prepared for what comes next. So that when you see a headline, you understand how to process it. And you process it by weeding out emotions, which can be difficult. We're emotional beings. It's in our nature to get emotional. But we know in the investment world, the antithesis is really what you should be going for. What are the facts on the ground? How will this impact the economy, a sector, a particular company, both today and into the future? And not in a hyperbolic way, because most of the time, headlines, changes, they're iterative. Meaning it moves companies and industries and asset classes in, a, in, in small positive or negative directions. Usually not large. It's rare to have something where uh, I always use the, uh, the example of when Apple brought out the iPhone, it drastically influenced BlackBerry, which was the leader at that time in the smartphone space. And those instances are rare. Those are not the norm. And so as you go through your journey, it's important to understand that in context so that when you see a headline, you're not skewed to buy everything or sell everything. Right? It's an iterative process. Maybe I should rebalance here and add more here. Those are the steps that you should be taking 
fairly regularly. Quarterly or more often. And so that's why we do the show five days a week. Because there's always new data, new information, and we only have an hour with you each day. So we try to fit in as much as we possibly can. And we do that mainly by answering your finance and investment questions. So I encourage you to reach out at 888-99-CHART. And we will give you our unbiased perspective developed over 20 plus years of investment experience. Now we're going to talk about the market performance today as well as well as run down some show topics. But right after we answer our first caller question now. Hi, my name is Rocky from Maryland, D.C. area. I have a question regarding PRDO, Papa Romeo Delta Oscar. What's your uh, opinion in this company? Thanks for what you guys do. All right, looking at, it's interesting. It's a kind of a follow-up from yesterday's, one of yesterday's calls. I forgot the name of it, but it was another kind of postgraduate vocational school type of company. This is similar. It's a for-profit company focused on post-secondary education online to a diverse student population. They have online universities such as American Intercontinental University and Colorado Technical University. Right, undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degrees as well. So I like that. I don't know the, I would have to look into the reputability of their programs, etc. cetera. Uh, but the business is doing well. Can't argue with that. Continues to grow its earnings pretty much every year. 2022 was a, sl- a slight dip in earnings, but back up for 2023, expected to make $2.06 once fourth quarter earnings come in and $4.10 this year, 2.5% dividend yield, about a billion to market cap. And the technicals look fine. Relative strength, 83. It's been consolidating this recent up move that happened in the month of, was that August? So it's been kind of consolidating for a while. So the technicals, they look fine. I have no issue with them. The profitability is solid as well. Uh, Let me just look at this. Yeah, the technicals look fine. So I'm going to give this one a general thumbs up, but I have to do a little bit of research and help understand, help myself understand exactly what the strength of their brand is. Why, why is their earnings going up? I'm assuming enrollments continue to go up, uh, and whether that's likely to continue. And uh, you know, based on the recent trends, it probably will. So I'm going to give PRDO a tentative thumbs up. Now we're heading into. The last 40 minutes. That's right. We have about 40 minutes left in the show. And my focus point today concerns trouble loans at the four major banks. We're going to look at what they're saying post earnings about the amount of loan loss reserves that they are holding and how that is going to impact their earnings and the economy going forward. In addition, We also have some other topics. One is in regards to consumer spending, kind of linked to our main focus point, but there was some interesting numbers that were uh, were put out yesterday. And then lastly, AI. AI uh, likely to impact certain types of jobs, and there's a new report by the UN, and I want to talk about that as well. We also have some voice bank questions. One is on SWBI, Smith & Weston, and the other about IRA contributions. Now, as we go to a break, let me remind you to check out our new Invest Talk Classroom series. 
It is streaming for free right now on our YouTube channel, episode 16, titled The Residential Housing Market in 2024. Luke Guerrero and I talk about the current market dynamics in the housing market, and I offer my perspective on lifestyle goals when you select a home. For example, you can look at buying a home as a way to make money, to earn a profit, but there are certainly other aspects as well, such as what is important to you and your lifestyle. It's important to love living there as well, not just about making a profit. Yeah, valuations are high, supply is low, and so there's a lot for you to understand about the current housing market as we embark on 2024. Now head over to our YouTube channel and search the residential housing market in 2024 and check out our latest episode of the Invest Talk Classroom series. Now the phone lines are open, waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Would this be an opportune time to get into annuities? Everyone's situation is different. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. And so are their questions. And I was just calling for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. To get your take on QE. Ticker symbol L-E-C-O. Just wanted to get your opinion on... JP Morgan. Invest Talk hosts Justin Klein. You know, I'm okay paying a fair price for a very good business. Steve Peasley. It's a very well run company. And now Luke Guerrero. EBITDA growth is significantly higher than its competitors. Are ready to provide their unbiased answers. Each podcast is unique, and you set the agenda. I will. Hey, hi, Steve. 24-7, rain or shine, InvestTalk is made better by the power of you. Call 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Uh, I have a question about where to store holdings for stock buying and investing. I have an IRA, but it's maxed for the year. Is it wise or even legal to have several IRA accounts? Or what is the best way to set up accounts to invest from? Uh, anyway, appreciate everything you guys do. Love the show. And I look forward to hearing the answer. Have a good one. Well, it's absolutely legal to hold multiple IRA accounts. You can have as many IRAs as you want across different brokers. Now, contributions is a def- different thing. You can't contribute in total whatever the max is for you uh, individually. But let's say for max for you individually is 7000 per year, you could have seven IRAs, but $1,000 each. But you can't put 7000 in each. You can also split it between an IRA, a traditional IRA, and a Roth IRA. You could say, I'm going to do 3500 in one and 3500 in the other. Assuming that you are eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA, that you aren't above the income limits. So all of this are... are are possible. It's not illegal. Now, where you should store your money, I mean, I think you want it to be at a reputable large broker. A lot of people try to get into self-directed IRAs, and there's a lot of complexity with those. They're typically held at non-traditional brokers. And 
they try to invest it in real estate, for example, but that uh, there's a lot of hurdles there, a lot of problems with that um, that most people don't don't realize. Um, but yeah, you can have multiple IRAs. Nothing wrong with that. Let's play two in a row from eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hi, this is Duncan from New York, longtime listener. I think I uh, it's about three years since I've been listening to your podcast, and thank you for all that you've done. So I just want to send my regards to Steve Peasley. Uh, I wish him the best, and I hope he uh, recovers quickly. My question is for stock ticker U, 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 U. Energy fuels, I think it is a United States uranium play. I'm looking to kind of get into that type of uh, stock picking for my portfolio. From Fidelity, it seems like the P.E. ratio is about 12 when the average ratio for these type of stocks is, I think, around like 6 or 10. Just wanted to get your uh, insight as well, too. And I'm looking to put this in my Roth IRA, but also in just a trading account as well, too. Thank you very much and have a great day. Bye. All right, looking at energy fuels, U, 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 U is the symbol. And this is a uranium play. And they have two key uranium production centers. One is in Utah and the other is in Wyoming. And it seems that they are very early in the process of these mines. Now they own several licenses for other mines as well, but these are the main two that they're, they're working on. And revenues are growing dramatically, but from a very low base. Fourth quarter 2021, they only had 1.7 million in revenue. Last quarter it was 11 million. And it was the first quarter of real profitability. My issue though, is that it doesn't mean a whole lot when they're just, when they continue to just burn capital. Free cash flow remains near all time lows, negative 68 million. Cash from operations, that's improved a little bit, but not dramatically. And you're talking about P ratios. Well, it's hard when the E on any length of time is negative and they continue to issue more and more shares. So while I like the uranium space, I don't like these tiny companies that don't really have production, even if they promise big production in the future. And what makes me even more reticent to buy this name is it's underperformance. So there's the URNM, which is the Sprott Uranium Miners ETF, which is a collection of miners. And if you just do a simple ratio or performance analysis between quadruple U and URNM, you see URNM is continues to do much, much better. So I see no reason to own this name. I want to own bigger names that I know have uranium production available. And I, I would just look at bigger names. I don't like these small junior explorers. Now, as we go to a break, I'll, let me, I will ask you to make sure your friends and family members know about our free Invest Talk downloads, which they can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Now, the phone lines are open waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART. 
every investor is working to build a secure financial future. How they get there and when they get there, that depends on many variables. The more you learn about how the market works, the better your chances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now our main focus point is about troubled loans and the four major banks. And we just saw earnings from the four major banks, even Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. Now the four major banks are JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, and Bank of America. And collectively, the bank set aside about $8 billion in reserves to cover potential loan losses in the fourth quarter of 2023. That's up from $6.2 billion a year before. So loan losses are rising. Now, that's the headline. That's the one that gets clicks and what most people pay attention to. And most people take that too far. That everything's going to hell in a handbasket. But the reality is, a lot of this is just simply a reversion to the mean. And banks noted that people had less money than they did a year ago, but it's about back to where we were pre-pandemic. And J.P. Morgan's chief financial officer, CFO, said the retail banking customers were fine. And that loan losses and cash reserves had now returned to the same level as before the start of government stimulus packages during the pandemic. So as I said many times, coming off very low levels of, of issues. And yeah, issues are arising, but it's just a reversion to that mean. Now, JP Morgan certainly did the best out of the four. Citigroup probably did the worst. And that's typical. Citigroup historically is not a great allocator of capital. In fact, they're laying off 20,000 employees over the next three years. And they said they, they expect to see growth slowing globally with U, the U.S. well positioned to withstand a run-of-the-mill recession should one materialize. And that's the interesting part here is that as long as the labor market stays relatively together, meaning unemployment rate sub five, right now at 3.7. I think there's still room for the unemployment rate to go up and us not hitting a major credit crisis or even a minor credit crisis. Now, they mainly focused on commercial real estate as the source of those increase in reserves. It's not about the consumer. B of A and Wells up the amount of money provision for soured loans related to the commercial property market. But they also said, this is from B of A, asset quality in commercial remains in a very, very good place outside of the office sector. So yeah, there are pockets of weakness and there's a reversion to the mean within the consumer space, but it's not a recessionary environment. That's really the long and short of all this. 
And so while it's easy to point at the negatives, so many people do. And, and frankly, there's a lot of, I call it bear porn. There's a lot of bear porn out there. There's websites that are dedicated to this. There are YouTube channels that just talk about, there's one uh, YouTube channel I, I, I've seen multiple times. And all it does is talk about how you're going to have this massive housing market crash. And the fundamentals, especially the supply of homes, says nothing of the sort. If you have any, and this guy who runs it, he's probably in his late 20s. And he's just colored by OE. You know, he's probably, you know, in high school, maybe early college when 08 happened. And that was his coming of age experience. And I think he wants the crash. So maybe he can buy real estate. I'm not sure. But all he wants to talk about is, oh, how inventory is up X percent. Well, yeah, it's coming off a low base. All let's talk about is how defaults are going up X percent. Well, once again, off a low base. It's not understanding kind of in context. He talks about the affordability. And yes, that's a problem. But it's only a problem if there aren't enough homes. Or sorry, if there are too many homes, excuse me. But the reality is it's the opposite. There aren't enough homes in most of these markets to really push down prices. So I want to I wanted to highlight this topic because you're going to get a lot of these really negative headlines. But you always have to look at them in context to history, not just what happened over the last year. It's what is normal? It's like looking at a stock, right? What is the P ratio? Well, the P ratio might be high, but what if it consistently trades at a high P ratio? Maybe it's near the low end of its five-year range, and its five-year range is, you know, 25 to 35 in P. And it's at 26. So it's more expensive than the market, but it's cheaper than it typically trades. So you always have to look at these things in context and look at that bigger picture and don't get married to headlines. Now, the next and best stock, we'll look into the question, what are wide moat stocks? Wide moat companies carry sound balance sheets, but they there are other attributes to consider as well. I'm going to love that topic for you tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
Invest Talk is always made better when our listeners contribute their questions. So tell your friends and family members they can interact in real time with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein during the Invest Talk live stream program between 4 and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Or they can leave their questions anytime 24 7 in the Invest Talk voice bank. 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steve, Justin, Luke. This is Art from Tucson calling in today about uh, a gun stock, Smith and Wesson brand. SWBI. There's a lot of controversy around guns in this country for good reason. Putting that aside, I see a uh, rather tumultuous year politically and socially, particularly with this next election coming up in November and this media-hyped talk of civil war and all the rest of it. When people in this country get scared, they buy guns. So I'm wondering if it'd be a good time to invest in this company a long-term hold or at least a year hold i listened to the answer on the podcast and still putting on positive thoughts there for steve and uh, i hope he recovers quickly we'll talk to you soon bye thank you for those kind words about steve i'll definitely pass those along now looking at smith and weston brands you know we are in election season and i do think it's gonna be a contentious one that's pretty obvious. Now, Civil War, I think that's hyperbole. Now, could there be spouts of violence and, and things like that? Yes, but I think the average person in the country, there's a lot more we have in common than I think that we, that we, that we have differences. And so, you know, the Civil War, that was very, very different. That was a way of life that disrupted basically in the entire economies of multiple states, right? That was an era where slaves were really what drove the South in that economy. And if you got rid of them, that decimate would decimate their economy. And, and so that was uh, an impetus for you know, the Civil War. We're not in that stage right now. You know, the right can get as mad as they want about the uh, DI or ESG or uh, wokeness, shall we say, um, but pretty much none of it threatens the entire livelihood of a swath of the, the country. So I don't see anything like that uh, happening, uh, but spouts of violence certainly um, could happen. So if you want to play it in that sense, and this is an election play that you're going to see more problems, you're going to see riots and, and, and more political unrest like you saw with Black Lives Matter and, and all the other things during uh, the COVID lockdowns. Sure, but that's more of a speculation. It's not really an investment. Now, the chart on SWBI uh, is certainly better than its competitor, which is Storm Ruger, which we think we talked about you know, on yesterday's show, or maybe the day, it was the day before. Uh, and that chart was much worse. So if I'm buying one or the other, this Smith & Wesson would be certainly the one I, I would play. But the technicals are mildly positive. I see no imminent breakout to the upside. Um, but maybe that means that the market is not expecting, you know, a, a, a violent uprising in any way. And that would be, you know, you'd be fading the market and what they're expecting. 
So is it worth a play? I would say no. I don't think the risk versus reward is really there. But to each their own. Depends on what your feeling is about uh, you know, political unrest. Let's talk a little bit about the consumer. And we did have the Commerce Department's report on consumer spending yesterday. And it beat expectations up 0.6% in December year over year. Oh, sorry, month over month. That was putting it at 5.6% higher than a year before. And now GDP estimates for the fourth quarter were raised. Now, since last May, what, what, the big question is, what is the driver of this? Now, first is obviously good balance sheets. Consumers have good balance sheets due to pandemic stimulus, paying down debt, they're having jobs. And the last one is really that since last May, about seven, eight months now, the average hourly earnings have been rising faster than consumer prices from a year earlier. So what this means is that they're having positive real incomes after you adjust for inflation. So spending power is rising. So not only do people have jobs that keeps them paying their bills and going out and spending, but their actual spending power of those that do have jobs is going up a little bit in aggregate. And it's not just the wealthy, it's actually the lower income and younger workers that have seen the strongest income growths, real income growths, growths. And remember, the lower income somebody is, the higher propensity they have to spend when their income goes up. Because if you're wealthy, you're pretty much going to live the lifestyle that you want. If you earn a little bit more money, are you going to change your lifestyle and your spending habits? Probably not. Because if you're going to spend money on something before, you had the money to. A little bit more isn't changing anything. If you have $2 million in the bank and you earn an extra 2000 that's not changing the way you're thinking about your wealth and your spending. But if you have 10000 in the bank and you get an extra 2000 that's a big difference. You may actually go spend that 2000 And so when younger workers, lower income workers, have positive real income growth, they tend to spend it. And so with all the worries of more student debt payments, that was a big reason why everyone was thinking the consumer was going to fall apart. It's always that next thing, right? What are they going to, oh, they're going to have to do this, and that's going to uh, kill the consumer. The reality is, once again, is jobs are the main driver. If you have a job, you're pretty much spending. So the consumer has the means to continue to boost their spending. So as Americans, we typically do. Now let's pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank and play a question that came in earlier from New York. On 888 chart. This is from New York. I'm looking at Louis Vuitton, ticker symbol L-V-M-U-Y, has been being down pretty badly in the last couple months. Wondering if this is a good time to enter. 
is it at a good value right now and does it have good long-term growth potential? Looking forward to hearing your uh, answer on the podcast. Thank you. All right, looking at Louis Vuitton as well as Moet Hennessy. So this is a company that has a lot of high-end brands. They own Sephora. They own a duty-free retailer that you find at airports often. They have wine brands, watch brands, Louis Vuitton, Bulgari, Fendi, Givenchy, Tag Heuer, Hauer, Tag Heuer, I always forget how to say that, Hennessy, Moet and Chandon, Glenn Moranger, Sephora, and Benefit. It's one of the most profitable retail brands in the world. Return on equity right now is 29%, which is near an all-time high. Actually, it is at an all-time high. Historically, their return on equity is more like the high teens, low 20s. So it may be over-earning a bit here. It's a foreign name, so it's always hard to get a little bit of the best information. But yeah, I mean, this is at support right around 144, the 200-day moving average. Its fundamentals are, let me look at its cash flow, about $11 billion free cash flow. But that has been coming down from a high of $18 billion. So you can see that the consumer is spending less since the pandemic. We know that. They're spending less on physical goods and more on services, experiences. Also, the Chinese consumer, they're not doing nearly as well. So I think that's your kind of near-term headwind. From a technical perspective and a valuation perspective, I would say it's a decent place to pick it up. But it's not a screaming buy because you do continue to see kind of economic headwinds globally, especially in areas that spend a lot on luxury goods like China. So I might start a position here, but I wouldn't put my whole position on. Now we started a new year and that means you're probably reassessing your strategy and seeing, you know, does it fit these times? Well, if you need help understanding whether or not your portfolio is aligned with the trends in the market, both near-term and long-term, I encourage you to set up a free portfolio review assessment, which you can do over on our website at investtalk.com. Just click on the portfolio review button on the top right-hand part of the screen. And we will get right back to you, set up a call and go over where you're at and try to give you some actionable recommendations. Now our Talk Voice Bank never closes, so I have more questions and answers coming up next, so hang on. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Applying for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. Everyone's situation is different. I'm to get your opinion on JP Morgan. And so are their questions. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. Each podcast is unique and you set the agenda. I'm wondering if now... 24-7, rain or shine, InvestTalk is made better by the power of you. 888-99-CHART. I just heard them. I was looking around for financial companies that were not banks, and I came across super simple S N G X Stone X Group. Numbers look good to me, and just a little worried about the chart. Hold back. What do you do? Take a look for me. Let me know what you think about the company. If you know about it, take it very much. Have a good day. Bye. 
All right, looking at Stone X Group. Stone X Group. Now, if we take a look at the chart, it did have a recent drop. When was this? 11.27? Well, late November. And I want, I'd wonder why that is. I have to really look at the details there. Let me go to the news. My guess it was earnings. Ah. Insiders sold a bunch of shares. Okay, that was in, uh, in December. What was that catalyst? That's what I need to know what it what I, I would need answered. I don't see anything in the news that would say, okay, this was earnings or anything like that. Why did it drop from $93 per share all the way to 60? That's a big move, right? Over 30% in just a very short period of time. Was this could have been a spinoff that can happen as well. It looked weird on a chart, but it could have been a spinoff. Um, so I would be wary of that. Uh, but otherwise, this is a brokerage and financial services firm. Focuses on OCT trading, means over-the-counter. Uh, they have advisory services, global payment solutions, physical trading, so physical goods, uh, commodities probably, clearing services, etc. It's about a $2 billion market cap, so solidly a small cap name. Hmm. What is it here? It just shows up weird on the chart. Um, this is interesting. Return on equity, 19%. That's good. Which is right around the long-term average. So I don't think it's over or under earning. Free cash flow is negative. That would worry me. But they do have a lot of debt in their balance sheet, $6.4 billion. And I wonder why that is that has been going up really since 2015. And it peaked in 2021 at about nearly 8 billion. Now we're at 6.5. So um, I don't like the debt. I don't like that debt situation. I really would need to know what happened in late November. Was that a spinoff? What was it that's making this chart look odd? Um, so it's hard for me to really give you an answer <laughs> because I there's not a lot of clarity here. Uh, I like that it is what what business it's in. I like that it's fairly well diversified. It has operations both here in the US, South America, Europe, Middle East, Asia, etc. But I don't like the up and down nature of its balance sheet. So let's be comfortable with that balance sheet. Now let's talk a little bit about AI. And this is a new report from the UN. And it's pretty simple. They believe that the main type of jobs that will be upset by generative AI, those things that can produce text and, 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 and think like a human in some way, shape, or form, it's really clerical work. Now, this is produced by the International Labor Organization. And they said, quote, most jobs and industries are only partially exposed to automation and are thus more likely to be complemented rather than substituted by AI. So basically clerical work could go the way of the dodo bird, but most jobs will just be augmented by, by AI, meaning there'll be, there'll be parts of your job that it'll do for you. Simple things. Think of research you do by just Googling something. That's something we didn't have 30 years ago. 
If we wanted to look something up, it was a lot more difficult to do a little research. And so I think that's what AI will do for most jobs, as opposed to eliminate them, which I think is the fear for most people. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here each and every weekday to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve, Justin, Luke. Longtime caller here and listener from the Midwest. And uh, I have a question today. First of all, I want to send my best wishes out to Steve. Wish him well. Uh, secondly, here for Justin and Luke. My question is um, concerning the stock, uh, I believe the ticker is HD, Home Depot, well-known company, huge one I know, pays a dividend. I know the price is probably on the higher end right now. It has been going up nicely over the past year. I'm wondering, though, if this would still be a good selection on any pullback, partially due to we've had um, bad weather across the whole nation. And I believe home building has picked up over the past few months here sometime with interest rates coming down. Maybe uh, purchases will be picking up also. I was wondering if that would lead to um, a ramp up in Home Depot stock price here in the future and if that might be a good selection to purchase and get into for um, the foreseeable future for years down the road. So. Please let me know what your thoughts are concerning this stock and if this would be a good pickup to add to a portfolio. Thank you for your time. Have a great day. All right, looking at Home Depot, and based on your comments, I think you have, you're kind of confusing short term and long term. You're talking about whether and whether that's going to pick up, you know, make the stock rally in the short term, but then is it a good long term buy? Those are two different ways to think about why you should purchase a name. Now, near term, are you correct? Will cold weather help Home Depot? Yeah, potentially, probably at the margins. People stock up on things. They have to repair things after uh, your, your home gets hit with brutal cold. Often things break, pipes break, things like that. Uh, but it wouldn't be a reason to buy for the long term. The reason to buy would be based on you know good, solid fundamentals, profitability, and good value. And Home Depot certainly checks the boxes on profitability, good, solid cash flow, return on equity, very high, return on assets, very high, back near all-time highs. However, from a valuation perspective, it's just a bit stretched. Longer term, enterprise value to EBITDA typically trades around 12, and now it's at 15. So our fair value is closer to about $250 per share, and now, <clears throat> and now it's just over $350. $350 per share. So I don't really see a reason to jump in right now. In fact, it looks like it's about to hit resistance around $360 per share. It's at $357.90. So it's right at resistance. 
Now, could it break through that? Absolutely, it could. But you have to think about short versus long term. And you had two arguments. One was short, one was long. Uh, and I rather focus on the long term and be patient to pick it up at good prices. And this is not a good price. Now, let's fit in one more question before we end. Hi, I uh, love the show. I was calling from New Jersey. I'm calling about Fang, F-A-N-G. It's Diamondback Energy. I own it. Just wanted to know what you guys think of it. Uh, I'll be listening on the show. Thank you. All right, looking at Fang, Diamondback Energy, and this is pulled back with the whole oil patch. But it's relative performance. It's pretty good. It's still above all the still above the 200-day moving average, whereas the XLE is well below the 200. So its relative strength is pretty strong. I like that. And this is a pure E&P company in the Permian Basin. And the Permian is where you're getting a lot of supply growth. And Diamondback Energy is a beneficiary of that. So if you're buying an oil name, this is a, a definitely a better one uh, to buy. So that was Fang, F-A-N-G, Diamondback Energy. Now I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. We thank you for listening and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. And it's official. We've now surpassed the 57.5 million download mark since it all began. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.